Welcome to Managing Marketing, a weekly podcast where we discuss the issues and opportunities facing marketing, media and advertising with industry thought leaders and practitioners. Today, I'm sitting down with Andrew Fraser, founder and creative director of At We Meet At Last, an enterprise where brands go to work directly with creative talent. Welcome, Andrew. Thank you very much, Darren. Lovely to be here. Thank you for having me on. Well, we meet at last, as they say. They do well. Uh, yes, that's my uh, that's my catchphrase now. It appears, uh, and and a good uh, catchphrase, but one that we'll get to a, a little bit later. Because one of the things that I loved looking through your LinkedIn profile, and isn't LinkedIn great? Because it's a very public sort of uh, uh, record record of our careers. But you've had a really interesting, and in some ways eclectic, some would say. Uh, creative history. Yes, there, there is a, certainly a lot in there. I've tried um, uh, lots of different uh, kind of interesting projects and uh, yeah, quite a variety of roles from uh, creative director, uh, well, copywriter, creative director, executive creative director, founder. Um, yeah, I've had a go at a few things. And look, um, that started uh, as many careers do in big network agencies. You know, what was it? Uh, uh, well, it's called DDB, Adam and Eve DDB in London now. Was it that when you started there? Uh, well, it was an agency called BMP, uh, which was it was a uh, uh, which was actually still part of uh, D- the DDB network, but it was the sort of precursor, I suppose, to Adam and Eve. Um, and uh, back in the day, it was. Uh, Yes, I mean, I spent a long time trying to get in there, um, and it was, uh, if not, you know, the best in the world at the time. It was definitely one of the best, and it had some uh, wonderful people there, and it was um, a great place to learn. Um, and uh, yeah, that was my first agency. I was very lucky to get in there. And and that's one of the things about the bigger agency networks, isn't it? Is it is a great place to learn because the, the just the sheer size and the talent that's attracted to those. Uh, those agencies was traditionally a, a incredible melting pot. Uh, that's right. I mean, I, I, I find I think in a first job that is definitely the thing to look out for. What are you going to learn? What agency environment are you going to learn the most from? I remember when I was first offered my role there, I was offered two jobs. One was uh, paid twice as much money. Uh, uh, it was I think fourteen thousand pounds a year was the, the total annual salary. That was the, that was the high-paying job. Uh, the low-paying job was at BMP. I think it was four or five thousand pounds a year. And um, uh, which um, it was probably illegal actually, but uh, anyway, um, it, it was a very easy decision. BMP was the place where I was gonna learn everything and get all the opportunities. Of course, it was tempting. I didn't have any money at the time and um, uh, it was very tempting to go for that higher paid job, but uh, I plumped for the, um, I think, the better option. And um, then did you go from there to FCB? Yes. I mean, I was at BMP or DDB for uh, about 15 years. Um, the, the old head of planning at uh, BMP was a guy called Nigel Jones, and he went to FCB and uh, was the CEO there. 
so he invited me over and it was an opportunity to I'd be learning the ropes as a creative director at BMP and uh, this was an opportunity to try being an executive creative director. Oh, fantastic. And and that step up, uh, you know, because talking to a lot of creative people, you know, that go from either art director or writer into creative director role, how did you find that transition? Because some people often struggle with it, don't they? Yeah, I mean, it, it is it's a big challenge. I mean, and a big step because not only was I not just uh, at BMP, I was working on you know, very much on the creative side. And that was all I did. Um, I was taking some responsibility for projects. But um, moving to um, FCB, um, as soon as I joined there, it actually uh, the, a merger started with uh, an agency called Draft, which uh, basically com- the combined agency was 250 people. Uh, and being on the management team of an agency like that, suddenly, like, that was a very different role. Uh, to the one I've been doing. And I, I'd say that uh, it probably wasn't me playing to my, um, it wasn't my sweet spot. But what I did really like is uh, at the time, it was a very interesting kind of combination, um, kind of combination of two sets of skills. There was a sort of what you'd think, what you'd see as the above the line FCB and draft was very much what you would have described as below the line and pulling those two together. I think technically they called themselves direct response, but, yeah, below the line will do. Well, yes, but, I mean, the reason why I say that, and that is correct, but there's a lot of snobbishness in the industry about, uh, you know, above and below the line, and I, I, I've always found that very interesting and, and wrong. Uh, so I was, very, I was really uh, interested in um, working in an environment where, we actually use the full kind of suite of um, um, advertising skills um, uh, holistically rather than kind of having that kind of snobbishness of, um, you know, pre- that, that, that is still prevails in the, in the industry. Yeah, the irony uh, from my perspective is many of those disciplines and skills that direct marketers had you know, at that time are exactly what's needed today in the digital world, you know, with much more you know, an interactive media opportunity. Yeah, I mean, I, I've never really discriminated uh, in terms of um, uh, skills and um, in, in terms of media. Um, I, I find it's all about big ideas and whether in whatever channel it is, uh, it's just the same creative challenge and uh, that's the way I've always liked to see it. I, um, I think that's very egalitarian of you because uh, I still remember my early days as a copywriter, the senior teams and the creative directors would grab all the TV briefs and then hand off all the other, what they saw as the dross to the, uh, the junior and middleweight teams to cut their teeth on that with this look of disdain as when you've had as much experience as us, you'll get to have a go at this. That, that's right. And um, I mean, you know, kind of that uh, is definitely there is a point to, to, you know, if you're dealing with the big budget, you probably need the m- more experience. But uh, there's always opportunities in whatever channel uh, to do something uh, to do brilliant work. And then you uh, made a transition uh, and you came to Australia. I mean, it was only a couple of hundred years ago that you were bought out here in chains. Uh, what brought, yeah. brought you to Australia? <laughs> Uh, well, 
Uh, good question. Um, well, a, a job came up, a role at um, ECD at uh, JWT came up, and uh, I would, I, I've got a family, and um, it was probably uh, not a great time to come, but it was uh, it, uh, the, the role came up, and it just seemed such an interesting one. And um, we'd, we'd been talking about moving abroad potentially, and Sydney, um, we'd never actually been here before, but we thought, well, what, what, uh, uh, th- could there be a better place to go to, um, and uh, could there be a more easy place to settle in and, and enjoy a lifestyle? And Sydney seemed uh, a wonderful place to come. So um, yeah, I took the job as uh, executive creative director. Was that based in Sydney here? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And so really, you know, career-wise, uh, you know, large agencies to this stage, but you haven't just stuck with large agencies, have you? No, no, that's right. I mean, I, I, the, the challenge in each one is is an interesting and different one. And um, the the ECD role, I, I really enjoy because uh, you're essentially the. I, I see the creative the creative bit is actually pulling together the team that's going to do the work, and I, I really enjoy that. But likewise, um, uh, so I've uh, yes after after JWT. I went to uh, an agency called IdeaWorks and then started, uh, was co-founder of the General Store. So that was a startup, which um, I left after a couple of years, but still going and doing really well, I believe. Yeah. And that's uh, retail focused, isn't it? That's right. The the whole idea of, I mean, I love the name, the General Store, um, for an agency that's pretty much uh, focused on all aspects of retail. Well, that again, this goes back to that kind of, I've always slightly get railed against uh, snobbishness in the industry, and uh, we talked a bit about before about the above the line and below the line. Um, but retail is um, a, a section of the industry that's always had a really bad rap, and I, I just do don't know why. Well, I know why because a lot of retail ads are, you know, in the past have been um, advertising has been pretty awful. But it's not to say you can't do great stuff. And um, uh, again, it was. Uh, what I was interested in is the opportunity there and to be able to do amazing, uh, amazing work um, on, on retail clients. I thought there was a great opportunity. Yeah, I, um, the way I got into the advertising industry from medical research was through a course called Copy School. And there was a terrific copywriter at what was the Campaign Palace in those days, a guy called uh, John Turnbull, who was... Uh, subsequently passed away. But he used to say that as a creative person, there was only two axes for your work. There's either great work or ordinary work uh, or good advertising and bad advertising. Now, he said the very first job of any creative is to do good advertising. What's good advertising? Anything that achieves the client's objective. But then he said, there's a personal responsibility to do great advertising, which entertains uh, or or enthralls or, you know, does add something to the experience of the viewer. And I used to love this idea that the first job is to do something that works for the client. He said, it's totally possible to do good advertising that works, that's just horrible. And a lot of the retail that you were referring to sort of falls into that. But that as a creative person, we should be driven by wanting to do great advertising that somehow enriches the experience of the audience. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of that, you know, kind of 
retail advertising is just plain annoying. And and I, I you know, I, I don't think that that is, um, if you are trying to build a brand um, over the long term, then cr- annoying people should, really shouldn't be um, at the, the top of your priority. Um, so, and, and I think that there is an opportunity to do, you know, to get the best of both worlds, to do that great stuff, to do stuff that works, that, that really um, kind of in, engages an audience. And I don't necessarily mean is famous, I just mean engages an audience. Um, and that goes for advertising, but also at the general store, uh, the, the proposition there was uh, to do um, advertising for a certain type of client, i.e. retailers, but um, advertising and uh, work across all kind of creative disciplines. So everything from store design to, um, to advertising to uh, brand identity. Um, so uh, being able to express a brand, a retail brand, in lots of different ways. Yeah. And um, you also worked uh, with the monkey or at the monkeys, didn't you? Was that in the days when it was the three drunk monkeys? Yes. Well, I, I've either freelanced there. Um, I've had a long relationship with the monkeys and I'm very fond of those guys. Um, so I did a little bit of freelance early on when they were at their old office in Great Buckingham Street and then um, uh, some more time in the new um, South Dowling Street offices. And I was actually there, I think, three and a half years uh, full time uh, uh, for a spell there um, in, in the middle of kind of freelance work. Well, I was freelancing there so much they, they asked me to stay for a bit. Um, and uh, yeah, I really enjoyed I mean, they're a very smart bunch of people and I always really admire them very much. So you mentioned freelance. What, from a creative perspective for you, is the big difference between a role as a freelance and actually being in the agency as an employee? Is there any difference or is it exactly the same? A very little difference, really. I mean, there is a kind of, you know, you're not, you know, officially there, part of the culture and, uh, you probably, you know, kind of there are some things you miss out on and some things which is great, uh, you know, kind of uh, you miss out on some of the politics. Uh, but um, really, I, I don't really see much of a difference. You, the thing I like in, in this industry and I've always liked is just working with smart people. And I don't really care whether that's a startup, a network uh, or, you know, a big like creative account or a less creative account if you're all if you're working with a team of smart uh, and fun people and interesting people that that's what it's all about um doesn't really doesn't really matter the other bits are the, the details kind of thing yeah I, I asked that because you know in conversations with some freelance uh, uh writers and art directors they've said that it's an opportunity to work on some terrific projects other times, it's just an opportunity to make take up the uh, the the you know the excess that's happening in the agency, but that often they're overlooked when the kudos is handed out. And I, and I highlight this because only recently uh, a freelance creative posted on LinkedIn when a particular campaign broke, how excited they were because they got to work on it behind the scenes during the pitch. And it was great to see the concept actually appear on air virtually untouched. Now, it was interesting because it was in Campaign Brief who were very uh, diligent in writing a long list of credits for the work, as they should, but that this uh, particular creative's name had been left off because they were freelancers. Well, it does happen, obviously. I mean, I I find that uh, the projects I'm given 
uh, when I'm freelancing are always uh, very interesting. I mean, sometimes you are doing the more hardworking stuff that nobody else wants to do, but invariably they, they want to give you a project that you're going to add some real value to. So, yeah, I've been really lucky to work on some great projects. Um, my uh, tip for uh, if that happens is just to contact the agency. It generally, you know, it's just a mistake and, you know, people are busy and I don't uh, think people necessarily do it deliberately. Um, there's just probably a very long list and um, uh, something subliminally they've um, left your name off. But uh, I've never had a problem. It was particularly interesting for me, Andrew, obviously running uh, pitches because, you know, we try and um, dissuade clients from doing speculative creative work in the pitch. And one of the reasons is that you never really know who did the work, whether it was a team from the agency or the freelancers that were bought in that will probably never work on your business again. Yeah, I think that, well, I can, I, I mean, I, I'm, I, I think that's a great approach from your point of view. I think that, you know, I, I'm not sure you learn a great deal uh, from a creative, uh, full-blown creative pitch uh, that you wouldn't from, a, from your kind of more strategic uh, approach. I think that sounds much better. Yeah. Now, um, a hot topic, uh, particularly in the last few days, uh, has been, you know, or the last few months is in-housing. And you took on the role of, of being the creative lead at probably one of the oldest in-house agencies in Australia, and that was for Foxtel. Yeah, that's right. It's um, it's something... Um, uh, as, I've worked in agencies over over time. I, I've I've been thinking about this thing about working uh, directly to clients, and uh, well, about that the sort of industry convention that creatives and clients should never uh, should never or should always be kept apart unless under pretty heavy supervision. And um, I've always slightly questioned that, and I've definitely seen times in in my career where you know that kind of ivory ivory tower approach. Uh, feels the right thing and you just get the chance to just work on your own but um, you know completely separate from the client but I, I was quite intrigued by the idea of working this a role came up at Foxtel uh, as creative director of their in-house team and I was just really interested to see how that worked and whether it's possible to work more closely with a marketing team and uh, well my my my, uh, my theory was that it would be possible and um uh, so I gave that a go. It's interesting, isn't it? Because there is, uh, just as you said before about uh, below the line and retail is often seen by the mainstream industry as somehow being lesser. There's a similar type of relationship within housing, isn't there? In-house agency. Uh, yeah, you've got it. You've nailed it because uh, that that's another thing that, uh, when, basically when there is a kind of prejudice I, I, I often just feel like I really want to kind of find out whether uh, whether that's valid or not. And uh, again, it was it's almost like another industry taboo that I just thought, oh well, I'll just uh, I'll give that a go and see 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 what it's really about. And from your perspective, what are the positives of working as a creative and creative director in house and working directly with clients? Well, uh, I, I think the real benefit is just having a, a, a conversation, uh, just a very open conversation. Um, and uh, it, it, it's, I feel like the, the barriers that, uh, that, that uh, happen in an agency between 
a client in creative often uh, is at the expense of the work. And just being able to sit around a table with a client and actually discuss exactly what's needed, more maybe like colleagues uh, than, actually, than that kind of more combative creative agency uh, relationship, I think is a really healthy one. And it's, it's pretty um, liberating, actually, to be able to do that. Yeah, it is interesting your comment before about, you know, the way it, for many agencies they keep the creative team and the client separated. I remember uh, being introduced as a creative to a, um, to a client and the account director um, basically said, so, you know, we've got a bit of a, um, a surprise or a treat for you today. We've brought the creatives along. I, I felt a little bit like either a special guest or a uh, performing baboon. Yeah, I'm not sure uh, which. Yeah, well, I, th I think we've all be we've all had that as creators had that feeling uh, as we've been wheeled into a meeting. Sometimes because things are going wrong and you just feel like the creators have got to kind of perform in some way. Um, and but generally, as a kind of extra to the process. And um, yeah, I, I, I've, I've always found that a little odd and, uh, and a bit disconcerting. And, and, you know, I found myself, I'm never at my best when I'm just sort of thrown into a situation like that. I much prefer, you know, a, a relationship that's established and, um, uh, and, um, uh, and, you know, kind of over time. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that uh, people have uh, said is that, getting work through in-house can be, or great work through, it can be quite difficult. In fact, both the, uh, the ANA in the US and now the, um, the in-house agency council have launched awards, creative awards for in-house agencies. Does that sort of infer that it is a totally different set of uh, challenges and circumstances? for traditional agencies versus in-house agencies? Uh, yes, I think there definitely are challenges for an in-house agency. I think they are treated differently to an external agency. And I'd say uh, often, um, that, uh, having read up a bit about it, that um, you know, they're just not treated with the same respect as an external agency would do. They're, they're kind of treated um, like a kind of uh, a junior version of the external agency. Um, uh, so perhaps yeah, in, in the same way that we were talking about earlier with that sort of above the line, below the line thing, you know, or the, 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 the glamorous agency, external agency is seen as the sort of the glamorous side of things that will get the, the interesting briefs and the in-house agency will generally be seen as a bit more churn and burn. Yeah. So that is a challenge. Because yeah, I, yeah, I, I thought the idea of having separate awards, well, first of all, the last thing the world needs is more creative awards. I, I, I quite agree. <laughs> and um, it does seem slightly kind of farcical. The one thing I would say, though, that there is no real reason why uh, in-house agencies can't do well. And, and uh, I mean, just thinking back, I think that they have definitely worked in the past. I remember, you know, back in the day, uh, was it Gap did, did, did all their advertising in-house? And it was like just completely um, uh, f refreshing and uh, felt very, very different. And without all the kind of um, baggage of an agency, they were able to do some really kind of liberating 
advertising. And I don't think there is any real reason why you can't. There is just a sort of prevailing attitude that um, you do the, um, the churn and burn stuff. Well, and, and publishers have been very good at this for years. I mean, most publishers have had their own in-house uh, marketing comms team and their own agency often doing that work. In fact, I just realised that I've fallen for the same trap that I, uh, I, I criticise others for, and, and that is that in-house agencies are actually not a new phenomenon. You know, in, in retailers back in the... Uh, 30s and 40s and 50s often had in-house agencies. In fact, I think in Australia, Maya had their own in-house agency up into the 70s and, and early 80s doing all of their own uh, advertising in-house. So yeah. this is maybe a part of a cycle. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I think, um, th and the other thing to remember is that there is some good stuff around. I mean, people keep, you keep seeing... Um, in so in social media feeds on LinkedIn, I guess um, uh, Spec Savers have been doing an excellent job uh, in the UK. That's an in-house model, I think. Yeah. Um, and and it, it is um, Channel Four in the UK have always done amazing uh, work, um, and especially that uh, you know the um, Special Olympics and all that uh, you know all that work is just like the best in the world. And I, um, I mean, I, I don't really see why other people can't do it, but um, uh, I guess there just has to be the will to do it. Now, that brings us up to uh, we meet at last. So what's the thinking behind the uh, this uh, offering or this business that you've uh, founded? Well, the, the idea is sort of um, and the, the Foxhell experience was part of that. And, but it's an idea that I've been... Uh, kind of it's been in my mind and bubbling away for quite a long time it, and it is just goes back to this idea of <clears throat> the convention in in our industry uh, being that creatives and clients are always basically kept separately and it's not that um, you know I mean there are many instances where creatives are introduced to the client and present to clients but the the, the basis of the you know the agency relationship is that uh, you work separately um, and uh, the, the sort of, and also the, the kind of assumption that, um, which again rooted in the past, if uh, if creatives and clients should actually sit together, something truly kind of awful might happen, um, and uh, uh, that uh, you know, kind of, no one actually knows quite what that might be, but it, it, you know, whatever it is, it can it potentially quite um, quite dreadful. So um, the thinking behind this is actually to try creators working directly with clients and to break down that barriers and and basically bring creative closer to the heart of brands um, at the moment you know they're kept very separate creators still in their kind of ivory tower but I feel there are real benefits for creators to be being brought closer to the heart of brands. Well, I think the whole trend towards uh, in-housing is already a sign that you know for producing content, of high quality and at scale is something that perhaps the traditional models struggle with and that, that just physically bringing it closer together answers some of the uh, challenges around responsiveness and and uh, and cost. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of um, changes, small changes going on. Like you've mentioned the in-house model, but there's lots, there are people also working directly to clients, it's there's a lot of kind of stuff going on in the ether, 
And uh, in a period that feels like there's quite a lot of transition going on, uh, well, I, I, someone was saying the other day that you rarely get completely new phenomenon uh, being invented. What you do get is a kind of uh, accelerating of uh, of changes that have been happening over over a, a fair amount of time, and it feels like th the timing is right. And having spoken to a lot of uh, clients about this, uh, that is the phrase that that comes up a lot. The timing is right for something like this, just to be able to try working directly uh, be uh, between uh, directly with um, with creative uh, talent feels like something that's really worth a try. Yeah, I think it's also got huge application for, you know, the smaller marketing teams that don't necessarily want all of that infrastructure that perhaps comes with an agency, but really are at that point of their evolution where they do want that more sort of intimate hands-on approach too. You know, and we see a lot with startups and, and the like where, you know, they, they're really driven, the, the strategies being driven out of a handful of people and they just often find themselves with uh, a number of, you know, parties that help them implement. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing is with startups and um, I've been talking to a few startups um, and uh, is that they don't have that history of working with a big agency. They're sort of comfort blanket of the big agency. Um, they, they actually, you know, they're a much leaner model and can't really see the point, uh, you know, if, you, if they walk into a, a creative presentation and there's 15 people sitting there, they kind of wonder what, what on earth everyone it does. They just want to talk to the creative guys. And, um, and I, I think that, you know, they, that, that feeling is very prevalent, especially in that kind of startup world. Um, so I, I, I think that is a, uh, definitely a very uh, interesting area to explore. And I guess the other uh, opportunity that pops to mind is, you know, some of the issues that uh, marketers are facing with their brands is that um, they're, you know, often the problems that come up uh, can't be solved with the same approach that they're doing a lot of their, you know, existing marketing work. And, and so this is also an opportunity of getting fresh thinking without actually having to change agencies, isn't it? I, I, I think that's definitely right. It's just, um, it's an opportunity to just to throw another option in the mix. You know, if, if an agency's stuck uh, on a project um, or just not coming up with the goods, then, you know, just uh, it, it's, a, it's an easy option without um, make, uh, upsetting too many people just to be able to um, throw some creative talent at a problem. And it could be uh, a, a project that is, you know, kind of an agency is working on, but it could be a, 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 the kind of project that maybe is out of the normal agency remit. It can be just a creative problem that needs solving within the business. And it, it's just um, a resource that I think could be really useful. So for, for bigger clients, um, uh, as well as the smaller ones. Of course, I have to raise this issue, and that is that, you know, one of the big problems that many of the uh, multinational and, and network agencies suffer from is that they stick a very early use-by date, particularly on their creative teams. You know, some people have said to me, if you're uh, over 40 and still working in a big network agency, uh, you've obviously, you know, incredibly lucky. Is that one of the other reasons as well, that this this early use-by date 
that uh, some of the big network agencies seem to approach, you know, it, or, or seem to enforce, is actually re, uh, putting a lot of great talent out into the marketplace anyway. It's definitely, there's a lot of great talent out there and it's not that, that they've decided not to go that kind of agency route uh, now. Um, it's, a, it's a really, uh, and some of that uh, might be because of the reasons you say, but essentially there's some very smart people out there and it would be uh, great to um, uh, to tap into that resource. And I think um that uh, I think that's a great res- resource for clients to tap into because you know um, it's um, because th- th- those those are the kind of people they're probably freelancing for the agencies uh, that uh, that they use anyway. But now there's an opportunity to 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 get hold of that resource directly and uh, apply it to their own um, to their own, to to briefs. Um, and work with them directly. And is that where your vision for We Meet at Last is, that you become more of a conduit for this talent? Yeah, I, I think that would, it's a really nice way to think about it. I mean, um, to start with, I think it's, um, you know, kind of there is a smaller scale. It's me and um, a few uh, uh, creative colleagues that uh, I know and have worked with in the past, uh, applying that talent to um, creative Creative problems, but I think um, there's a real opportunity to scale up and and to really, I guess, and, and provide a really interesting option for creatives to step outside that agency world. I, it's not for everyone this thing uh, working direct to clients, but I think it is for a lot of people, and I, I think it's a really empowering uh, opportunity where um, I, I would love to give creatives another option yeah. uh, in terms of their career. Yeah, because there is a certain, you know, sort of skill set to work collaboratively directly with clients as a creative person. That's not necessarily what every creative person's looking for, is it? It it definitely isn't. Some people like, you know, kind of, I mean, and historically, you know, they like to be sort of kept away, almost don't show me the brief, I'll work it out for myself. Um, There's that kind of creative but then there's others who I think want to know more. They want to know about the business problem. They want to know about it in depth. And I feel like there's a real sweet spot, which is somewhere in between that kind of ivory tower on one extreme and then the in-house on the other, where uh, you get an opportunity to engage directly with a client uh, and really understand the business problem enough to really get immersed in it, but not so much that you're kind of the client's looking over your shoulder um, uh, all the time. So, yeah, there, there's that kind of sweet spot where I think you will get uh, fresher, uh, fresher advertising, fresher ideas, um, and also, um, you know, kind of work to the same agenda as, as the client. So, yes, a, a really nice little bit in the middle. I think that's the really interesting part because, you know, a lot of creativity as, as a, a skill uh, comes out of curiosity. And uh, one of the things that I've got out of this conversation with you today, Andrew, is that you've been a curious person even about your own career. You know, this, uh, this desire to constantly explore in, in many ways the avenues that others may see as being lesser is an absolute credit to you and an example of how creativity is not just the ability to write a nice ad, it's actually a, an approach to solving problems and learning more about 
you know, the way the world works? Yes, I definitely uh, have explored quite a few different uh, avenues, some of which haven't been, uh, um, it's not a 100% success rate, but um, my curiosity has got the better of me and um, always looking for something interesting and new ways to apply, uh, apply my creative thinking. Look, thank you very much. Unfortunately, the clock and time has got away from us. Uh, I really appreciate you uh, sitting down and having this conversation. It's been great, Dan. Really enjoyed it and quite instructive. I've learned quite a lot myself. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I've got one question before we go, and that is, uh, I mentioned before there's way too many creative awards. If you could uh, wipe out all of the awards but one, which one would it be? (laughs) 